Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Zuccarello with the Hey Joe podcast and I am, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about and I know I say I'm excited a lot because I really am. I have a great time doing these podcasts and I have a great time talking to our guests and this particular guest is I'd like to say he's a repeat offender, but man, it's anything but that, right? This guy just is, is just anxious and always willing to be a great guest because he's got so much knowledge and so much expertise in not only the grooming industry, but also his field of study and in and, and, and his field of expertise happens to be with liquid grooming products. And yep, you probably have figured it out already. The now six-time appearance on the Hey Joe podcast, Dave Campanella. Dave, thanks for joining us once again, my friend. Oh, absolutely. It's always good to be here. And uh, it was great to see you in Atlanta and uh, and uh, earlier in the year. And uh, it's great to be back at it. I think we're all anxious or all, excuse me, happy to be out and about and finally you know, seeing people and talking and touching things at trade shows. Well, and you know, what's really great about the grooming industry, and I'm sure that, you know, on a whole separate podcast, maybe episode number seven, we can talk about how grooming really never slowed down unless there was a government imposition, right? During the pandemic, grooming by and large, grooming actually kept retailers open, grooming kept full service uh, 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 pet care facilities open, and grooming when allowed to stay open grooming kept grooming salons open. So grooming, I always say dog's hair is going to continue to grow and need a haircut and dog's hair is going to continue to be, uh, to need to be removed during shed control treatments and the like. But today we're going to talk about something. I don't, you really can't get any grooming done without what it is we're going to talk about today. And that is the, the, the safe storage and mixing of grooming products. And I know some of the Hey Joe listener audience out there, I know you might be sitting out there saying, well, duh, I just read the label, right? I just read the label. I follow the instructions. I pour it in this. I dispense it from that. I use it here. I store it there. But Dave's actually going to bring some, some interesting information to us so that we have better knowledge so that we are doing these things safely. Yes, there's a wrong way to do this. And there are some, there are some, uh, uh, consequences if we do this wrong. So the very first part of our, our normal time that we're spending together in our, on our podcast is all about storage and mixing of grooming, uh, liquid grooming products. But Dave's going to stick around for a little bit longer for some bonus material. So you'll want to hang around, maybe pause it, grab a bite to eat, grab your popcorn and a iced tea, <laughs> your favorite cold beverage, and listen to what Dave is going to bring us as a bonus material. So we're going to, we're going to, Let's hunker down now, Dave, and let's talk about these things. Uh, first off, Dave, if somebody has just really not ever listened to the podcast before, 
give us a brief introduction of who you are. Sure. Well, I got into this industry because over 30 years ago, I married a beautiful, talented groomer named Tracy, and she introduced me to uh, the joys of canine companionship. She introduced me to this industry. Uh, uh, and of course, in addition to giving me two lovely daughters, but uh, together we co-owned and operated a grooming salon for a, for a number of years. Um, I had a full-time gig, but I was the guy who came by with dinner every evening and worked holidays and weekends. And, uh, and uh, I was in charge of the equipment, uh, make, making equipment, policies. Uh, you know, I got intimate, you know, with, with the whole bathing process. I wasn't the groomer. I was, uh, you know, a, let's call me a, a glorified uh, bather. And, uh, and uh, through my wife, who knew the founder of Best Shot, kind of led me here today. Uh, I've been with the company for pushing 16 years or more and, uh, you know, just passionate about the industry. And uh, it's just important to take, the important takeaway is not only do I work for a shampoo company, but I've worked in the trenches. I've owned and operated a facility, which has given me invaluable insight, uh, both from a manufacturer standpoint, but also from a customer service standpoint. Well, and at Best Shot uh, uh, Grooming Products, one of the things that anytime I refer uh, uh, any of our students or our, 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 our student sponsors for Paragon School of Pet Grooming, uh, anytime I'm, I'm referring them to Best Shot, I always say these, these folks take a, a very mindful approach, a very caring approach to what it is that they create uh, with their products. And, and your willingness to be part of, of, of this episode for the Hey Joe podcast and our affiliate uh, relationship with Paragon School of Pet Grooming and LearnToGroomDogs.com. That's just evidence of that. Um, so what we're talking about today is, is, is adding a little common sense to some common use. And that is the common use of shampoos and conditioners. And one point, uh, that, well, not one point, many points you're about to make is all about how there's many of us grooming professionals out there that don't understand uh, uh, the, the, the proper way of handling uh, grooming liquid products, especially after we take possession of them. So this proper dispensing care, self-accountability. Um, but, you know, some of the words that having been on the shampoo manufacturer and development side myself for a period of my career, some of those words that you just hate to hear on the other side of or the end, other than a phone or in an email or a text is, I have a spoiled bottle of shampoo yeah. or, uh, uh, or I have uh, 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 the, the formula must have changed, right? Or I got, I must have gotten a bad batch. And those things I know just sort of like, uh, because part of it is you want to hunt that down just in case those things are accurate. And that's due diligence on the manufacturer's part. But Dave, I think what we're here to talk about today is in most cases, it's not applying their proper discipline, the proper care when storing and mixing our products. So I know that you recently had, and, and you approached me with this topic, which I thought was really cool. Thank you for doing that. But it was sort of on the heels of a conversation, uh, names left out for, uh, for obvious reasons, but on a, on a, about a conversation that you had with a grooming professional about their shampoo. Yeah, I, you know, I, when, when you're in this role, you got to listen. And, it, and people have this attitude that, oh, you're with the manufacturer or you're a salesperson or a representative, you don't care about me, you know, and, and there's this resistance, but you learn to listen and you try not to be dismissive. You try to, uh, 
to be gen as genuine and helpful as you can. And in this particular case, we had someone who was not just a groomer, but they were a handler. They traveled uh, to shows. And she was explaining to me how disappointed she was that her, her gallons were separating. They were, um, they were getting moldy. <laughs> yes, moldy. And they smelled after two months. And something didn't add up. And as I talked to her, I learned that in preparation before she went out on the road, sometimes for weeks, if not months, she would dilute, pre-dilute a gallon jug with product and tap water and make up these gallons and go out on the road. <laughs> and when I heard this, it was a combination of emotions because knowing what I know, I mean, hey, I, I know a lot of things, you know, but, but as I tried to explain this to her, there was, a, she, she was really kind of questioning if, if, you know, the, the, the science and the truth and my motive behind it. And I finally realized at that moment that she just genuinely and honestly did not know any better in, 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 in the actions that she was taking, you know, and, and she didn't realize what harm could be caused and what precautions she should have been taking. Uh, uh, and that led me to uh, really kind of taking a step back and looking as a role of a manufacturer, you know, it's not a blame game. I mean, we have a problem where, where I see more often than not, people don't understand how to use product. I'll say one more uh, thing to this point is for those folks that happen to go online, <laughs> you know, and, and watch or, and, and, and review uh, of different forums, it's not uncommon to hear somebody really going off about their disappointment or dismay over a spoil gallon of shampoo, you know? And, and like you said earlier, you know, that there's an assumption, oh, it must've been a bad batch or the formula changed. But what's interesting is I look at the public's reaction and I'll see so many people say, oh, you know, it's kind of like off with their heads, you know, oh, shame on them, that's terrible. Or they'll say, uh, well, try this brand. I've never had that problem with that. But no one's addressing the problem. Never does safe and proper storage and mixing uh, and other things like dispensing, never did those come into the equation. And that's where I, 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 I got motivated to reach out to you because we need to, we need to talk about this openly and honestly because there is some ignorance out there. And ignorance isn't a bad word. That was my little timer. But, uh, you know, so uh, a point I'll make is in the healthcare industry, a nurse, uh, anybody dealing with vaccines, medicines, blood, plasma, there's specific protocols and great care and great sanitary sanitation precautions that they have to take because they don't want those things to get spoiled. But I think there's a disconnect with shampoo that, uh, you know, it's soap. It cleans. It'll never spoil. How can it spoil? It cleans. You know, and <laughs> those are those are all. How all can it something. spoil? It cleans, right? Yeah, yeah I, I can I see mean, just can, just there, you know, right? You know, and 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 I'm not judging, uh, but you know, people just need to take the time to realize this. So, uh, uh, you know, and, and another point I'll say is, you know, in a couple of 
I think it was the last uh, time we got together on the podcast, we talked about something very pertinent. You know, during COVID, we were talking about cleaning, disinfecting, sanitizing. And I think we've done a good job of acknowledging and, and up in our game in our, uh, in our uh, uh, facilities. But I'm sorry to say that, that uh, when it comes to taking care of our dispensing products or dispensing our shampoos and stuff, uh, we're really, we're really kind of in the dark ages, you know, we're not doing what we need to be doing. So that's where I think I can help. So, you know, it's really interesting that you say is that the story, and I love when you share stories because, you know, we all, some of us out there, some of, some of the listeners are like, yeah, Dave, I, I get it. I've had something, you know, I, I've had something go bad. I've had some separation. I've had smelly shampoo. Some of them are out there saying some people that that's happened to, and that know better might be saying, you mean it lasted a two to three months? How did, how did she get two or three months out of it without it going bad? You know, two to three days in some cases, right? So well, some of them are I like, could, boy, she should think her lucky stars that lasted that long, right? Well, so Joe, I got to stop you there too. I, I got to, and, and this kind of leads into, uh, uh, you know, talking about uh, bacteria. I can assure you that within 24 to 48 hours of pre-diluting those, those gallons were teeming with bacteria well before she notably could smell or see mold. To oh, me, it's like, yuck, that's disgusting. So in that okay, two, great segue. period of time for two months, she's been using that. It just took two months or a month to realize and smell that, ooh, these smell really rotten. Uh, okay, so so let's so let's do that. Let's climb inside of a, of, a, of a package. Let's climb inside of a bottle for a moment. And we're going to talk about all of these things that are happening that we can't see. And again, yep. grooming is an art. Grooming is not a science necessarily. Groomers, grooming isn't physics necessarily. I mean, there's some, there some aspects maybe for both of those. But again, you don't have to be a scientist to understand what can be happening. But most just don't understand what's happening. And, 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 and some, I think, have a working knowledge of what could happen, but may not know all of the variables about things that might surprise them. So we're going we're gonna to cover the gamut today. So the very first one is water, right? I mean, water. We've got to mix our shampoo. If you're using a concentrated version, if you're using a professional uh, a formula, which most of you would buy in gallons or, you know, jugs or five gallon pails or whatever, right, that you would use in a professional environment. Water fosters bacteria growth. And, and, and Dave, you said something in our show prep, you said bacteria are the number one enemy of shampoo and conditioner. And it's a, oh, I even hate to mutter these words, a breeding ground, breeding ground for contamination. And our you yeah, our, our a couple of examples. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to understand if water's present, water is going to foster life. Okay, that's a good thing. But it also fosters things like harmful bacteria. And one of the common ones, uh, it's folliculitis. And you may have seen this in your shop. I'm sure you have if you're a professional groomer, where you see little bumps or skin infections uh, on the dog's skin and they, and they later turn a little scabby. You may even get this yourself on your arms, having them submerged in water. And uh, these little small clusters, they're itchy. Uh, they just don't look right. And, and with the dog, of course, the last thing we want them doing is uh, focusing on those and, 
and making the situation worse. And of course, you get a phone call a couple of days later, maybe even a vet bill. And really what, what it is, is that um, these, are, these commonly are going to amass inside of a container of shampoo where contaminants, and I'll talk about these, uh, get inside of it. Uh, and it's either going to happen faulty storage, how we're using them, how we're diluting them, you know, and uh, even dispensing. Uh, another example would be Pseudomonas, which is a bacterium that's responsible for a lot of uh, canine ear infections. And these bacteria are easily transferred just by water in your bathtub and in damp areas like wash tubs. And let's be honest, let's think of when was the last time we, we, we got underneath our bathtub or on the floor or our walls, you know, we know if there's mold, we know if there's peculiar, you know, rank smells. If you're smelling any of those or seeing those, that's a, that's a, there's your sign, you know, to, that you need to address that. But here's the other thing is sometimes you don't always smell that and you don't always see it. Uh, we just have to approach it differently. And I don't want to be a fear monger, but I can assure you that there's an endless list of things that can happen to your on-hand inventory of grooming liquids. And, uh, you know, but one thing I can pretty much say with certainty that more so than not, any claims of spoilage or experiences that you've had, and even some of the alleged reactions that you assume uh, skin reactions, I, I mind you, of a, of a dog's skin or of yourself that you, you want to attribute or correlate to a product, uh, it usually correlates to a lack or a failure in one's daily sanitation practices. Mm. Um, and, and, and we just need to be aware that every shampoo, this isn't a brand thing, it just anything out there, they all have water in them. Uh, they are all subject and susceptible to spoilage. Uh, but this, this leads me uh, into talking a little bit about preservatives because there's some false pretenses or false assumptions that we have because no one's ever explained this uh, to us in the grooming industry. It's not part of our curriculum and it should be. And that's another reason why I'm speaking out. So maybe this will lead somewhere positive for all of us, but let's talk about, about water. Water volume accounts for anywhere between 30% in most shampoos, it will vary, on up to 98% in a conditioner. That sounds like a lot, like, wow, it's mostly water. Uh, trust me, nobody's ripping you off. But my point is there's a lot of water in these products and we know that it fosters life and it's susceptible to uh, contamination. The remaining volume or percent of those products is referred to as solids or percent of solids, okay? And that could be plant-based detergents, conditioners, fragrances, different polymers, uh, minerals, vitamins. These are all the things that constitute what they call solids in the shampoo, but it's mostly water. But we have to acknowledge that a lot of these solids consists of plant and animal derived ingredients. It is not a matter of if they are going to spoil, but when they will succumb to it eventually. There's no way around it. Even the minerals and the vitamins that, you know, 
are in some of these products, they may through oxidation and exposure, you know, uh, get diminished in their potent potency and, uh, you know, just, just over time. Uh, heck, a gallon of bleach, people don't realize you buy a gallon of bleach within a year, uh, it's rendered pretty much neutral, useless, because it starts to diminish in its potency. These are things we need to acknowledge. But let me, oh, go ahead. So, okay. so That's okay. So Dave, so I have a question. So we talked about water and, and, and the water volume. I mean, I think most people, that's going to surprise plenty of people that the water volume in, 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 in products are, you know, so, so, so drastic. And, and again, manufacturers are putting preservatives in these products, in many cases, natural preservatives also, that help to, uh, to your point, postpone spoilage. You said it's not a question of if it's going to spoil, it's when will it spoil, right? Exactly. Um, Exactly. So, so it's it's there to postpone spoilage. So here's a question then, Dave. Well, then why not put more preservatives in it so that it lasts longer? That's an excellent question. Here's the, here's where the false assumptions take place. A preservative can only do so much. If it was 10% preservative in there, it might be harmful or it might render the rest of the mixture useless. We've learned through our databases, and I'm speaking as the industry and the information out there, you know, preservative, let's think of it as solids, that percentage other of that percentage of volume other than water, they could range anywhere from a half to 1%. It's not a lot. You really don't want to go more than that. Um, and we, again, we have to acknowledge that shampoo, and I'm going to say this twice, I almost like have your audience repeat after me. <laughs> Shampoo and conditioner is going to spoil. <laughs> Shampoo and conditioner <laughs> is going to spoil. That's the thing that we need to get in our heads. Uh, think about, you know, if you, if you go on a picnic and, and somebody's got the potato salad out on a hot or out on the picnic table in the hot sun, is it going to be safer there or is it going to be safer in a cooler or the refrigerator? You know, I mean, we have to think about these things because they're water, there's active ingredients and things in there. They are going to succumb to spoilage. The idea here is that when products are formulated, they're, they're formulated with a reasonable period of time in mind. Uh, the role of the preservative is to postpone spoilage from overtaking the mixture within a reasonably designated period of time. And that period, uh, is often referred to as a product's shelf life. And that shelf life is based on the product's intended use and its intended dispensing methods. A shampoo shelf life is not set in granite. If I told you that the average shampoo lasted a year or two, that doesn't mean it's gonna last a year or two. That's just, that's how it's formulated, assuming that other variables don't contaminate it. Um, which, yeah. which are in our, I mean, I really, I've been in this business for mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, a long, long time, well over three decades. And one thing I know for sure is that we do not have clean rooms, right? Nope. We don't, we don't have, you know, we're not walking around in, 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 in white Tyvek suits in a negative uh, 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 atmospheric pressure, negative vacuum kind of room. We're in a grooming facility and we've That's got- there's lots hair. of contaminants. Yeah, there's hair and slop and dander and poop and pee and fleas and everything disgusting you can think of. 
calling, you know, everything. Things you can see and things you probably thousand times more things you can't see, right? Yep, as far as contaminants. And you're only smelling some of it, you know, right. which is just the tip of the iceberg. So, so one thing that one thing that you had said was that that premium products, premium shampoo and conditioner products that are more of a botanical nature, that are more using natural or, or, or more plant extracts, more some of the things that appeal to most of us, right? Even yeah. in our own products, we might use on our own, you know, on our own selves, but on our human bodies. But but what you're saying is, in, in, you had mentioned that uh, uh, in our show prep that the more the premium product, right, that has a lot of that really great stuff built into the formulation, might need to be uh, 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 better paid attention to because they may be more susceptible to the spoilage and the variables. How does that, how does that calculate? Well, think of it. If it's a better product, it's a more sophisticated formulation. So that means that when you think of in terms of water and solids, there's going to be more solids, more things in there like proteins and, and let's just keep it simple, plant and animal based ingredients that are, that are susceptible to spoilage. It just stands to reason. So greater care needs to be taken care, take, taken time. If you're buying a $9 or a $15 gallon of shampoo, there's not a lot of sophistication there. The sophistication comes with the proteins, with the, with the polymers, with the, you know, the different active ingredients. Uh, those are all things that are susceptible to spoilage. So, you know, I've, I've, in, in, in my prep for this, you know, I was speaking with my wife, Tracy, and she says, you know, because I, I was saying it's really a good idea to wash our hands. I'm getting ahead of myself, but wash our hands before we open up a, uh, a product and, and uh, dispense from it. And how often are our hands covered in filth and water? And we don't know if that slop and whatever gets back into the bottle. Uh, I mean, we don't, we don't look at it the same way because we're in a tub. You know, when you're in the shower at home, the bottle of shower is on the on the, uh, or the bottle of shampoo is in the shower on the ledge. We use it, we wash our hair and, you know, and if we're going through it, you know, a bottle of shampoo in our shower doesn't last six months to a year. <laughs> okay, we're going through it. But eventually, if you got water in there and I've experienced it, some people have experienced it, you know, that can even go bad. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just the nature of, uh, uh, the nature of the game there. So, so then Dave, let's talk a little bit about that then, because one of the things, you know, we're talking about all of these, okay, we got, we've covered water fosters bacteria, we've covered preservatives are only going to carry a product so far. We've talked about the higher end products with all of those really great ingredients do sometimes need to be managed a little bit more and because they're going to be more susceptible, those really great ingredients are more susceptible to contamination. So they need to be managed a little bit more. So let's talk about how do we manage that? And one of the ways that we can manage uh, these things to, to make sure we're staying out on the positive side of freshness and non-spoilage. And again, out ahead of that question of, of, of when it will spoil. Um, one of those is proper storage. And you used to <laughs> use that example uh, of the potato salad, right? Sitting out on the, out on the picnic table. In that case, you're, you're you're choosing how to at least temporarily store it through not storing it, right? Um, and to your point, it's common sense, right? If it's gonna be sitting out for a while, we need to put the lid on it, we need to put it in a refrigerator, right? As quickly as something like that can go in the refrigerator, the better for all of us. So again, it's sort of back to my original statement, common sense being applied to common use, right? 
Exactly. So let's talk about one of the common uses, which is before we use it, and that's storage of our shampoo products. It's or conditioner so for that matter, grooming products. Yep, it's so important to make sure you they'll tell you to store it in a cool place. I, to be realistic, if you can store it below 80 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, the cooler, the better. Uh, you know, heck, if, you, if you're in a restaurant, you can keep it in a, in a cold storage, better, you know, better yet. And the idea is heat is a contaminant. Heat tends to exhaust. Just like think of that potato salad in the sun. We know what heat does to organic matter. Okay, so I'm just telling you the same rules apply. Uh, so, and then the other point is, depending on the time of year, freezing temperatures, they can have an effect, not so much on product performance, but the concern with freezing is you get this freeze, freeze expansion where the liquid expands and the packaging fails. So there might be a hairline fracture in that, that gallon or that bottle and that's going to allow condensation, moisture, you know, things to enter back in. Uh, and, you know, obviously you're going to have premature spoilage. So I encourage people when you're, when you're, your goods come in and when you store them, uh, look over the packaging, you know, make sure there's no damages uh, in the shipping business. And uh, you can relate with this, Joe, being, being working for a company, we call these things concealed damage. You don't always know that the damage has, has occurred, but you know, there may be a crack. Uh, I've seen air, almost pin, like pinhole, uh, hole, uh, pinhole openings in gallons that when they went through the injection mold, they weren't, it didn't, for whatever reason, that particular cavity didn't fill property. And, and you're wondering why three days a week later, there's a case of shampoo and it's got a soggy bottom and it's because there's a, there's a defect in the packaging. It happens. So look them over before you store them. The other common sense thing is uh, we wanna make sure that the lids are on tightly. We wanna wash our hands before we open and close them. Uh, Cause there's airborne debris, you know, with the potato salad, we're concerned about flies. Nobody seems to be concerned about all that hair flying around. You know, that, you know, when we're in a grooming shop and I, I don't know a groomer who hasn't ingested a pound of hair a year while they're eating lunch or whatever, I mean, but we never, we never acknowledge that that same hair gets sucked in and, you know, can, can contaminate the bottles of uh, liquids that we have. And then keep any of these unused, unopened product, try to keep it in its original container. I know sometimes we have bulk containers and we want to combine things, but when we start mingling and combining, we're creating another level of risk. I'm not saying don't, but there's precautions you need to take uh, because you don't want to be combining contents in any unsavory bulk container or a mixing, you know, container. So right. and again, our like bonus material, sense. our bonus material for today's podcast is going to talk about dispensing, which that's a really great point. Is before it's dispensed, it's stored, right? So exactly. in in many cases, how are we dispensing it? If we, if there's a little bit of liquid left in a container and we just add new fresh liquid, would it be said then we're just giving the contamination new food, right? Exactly. Feed that's a great way of looking at it. And that's the way we got it. We, you know, I, I, I like that you brought up food. You know, we, we don't like leaving things out after we eat uh, and have company over. We like to clear the table and get things back in the fridge. We have to kind of take the same, same, uh, uh, approach and attitude towards towards our liquid liquid products, um, you know, and from storage, that kind of leads to 
to, you know, how do we manage that shampoo inventory? And there's some mm-hmm. things related to that. And if I may, to, to, to kind of go right into it, you know, I tell folks, most shampoo companies, they warranty their products for 30 to 45 days from purchase. It varies, but that seems to be the standard. I think a lot of your listeners might be listening and it's like 30 to 45 days. Well, you got to have a warranty. That's pretty reasonable. You may not use it up in 30 to 45 days. All the more reason to take care in how you store and, and, and dispense and whatnot. But one tip that I tell, tell folks is when your product comes in, get a black Sharpie or a marking pen and write the date you purchased it and the date you opened it on the bottle. Because if, if you're like most shops, you have dozens. Some shops maybe even have hundreds of bottles. But try to keep track. You want to rotate your stock using up your oldest items first. If you have no idea, then you have no idea if there was a problem, if it's if it legitimately was a bad batch, highly unlikely, but you know, it could happen. But if if you do your part, it's going to help. Uh, it's also going to help that likelihood of that product for whatever reason uh, spoiling. Another good point is, you know, we never think of this, but during extreme weather months, when I'm talking heat or cold. It's so important to order from a supplier that's close in proximity. A lot of times we go online, but if we live in Philadelphia and we're ordering from somebody out on the West Coast, thousands of miles away in the desert, that's not a bad thing, but it might take five days for your product to come and that product might have sat in a delivery truck in sweltering heat and and unreasonable, you know, 140 degree, 180 degree weather. Joe, you know how hot it gets in those things, you Mm -hmm. know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so it, that can that can prematurely spoil it. So then when you open it and you're wondering why in, in 30 to 40 days or 60 days, which is not a long time, or 90 days, why that product went sour, it might have to do something with you ordered it in July from a source that was clear across the other side of the country. Same thing with freezing. If you know the weatherman saying we got a storm coming in and sub-zero temperatures, you don't you don't necessarily want to order later in the week. You know, it's best to usually order earlier in the week. So if you can get it with two to three days, there's less chance for it to spoil. There's less chance for it to get damaged. And by that damage- product's on the move, right? That product's, if you order it earlier in the week, and this is something you brought up to me earlier, which was ordering earlier in the week. And, you know, I never thought about that. And I've been, again, I've been doing this for a long time. Most of us just order when we need it and you place the order. But to your point, now, some would argue logistics are always moving, always delivering, but- if your shop is closed on a Sunday, you're reducing your chance of delivery options by one seventh, right? Or if you close early on a Saturday or, or sometimes not even open on Saturdays or Sundays, or maybe you take Sundays and Mondays off. Now you're closed. You're limiting your delivery options by, by two sevenths and whatever that math is, but it's a lot. Um, but if that's the case, then you're actually restricting when you can actually get that fresh shampoo that shampoo might have attempted a delivery sat on that truck went back to a hub got moved around to a different truck who knows how long that one was sitting and then trying to attempt the next day if they come by two or three times to try to deliver and you're not there so again oh that's 20 by the way for all of you that are counting if you're closed two days of the week you've limited your delivery by 29 percent 
So you're you're only allowing seventy one percent of a window for your for your product to be delivered. So that was interesting uh, that you had pointed out. And the freezing temperatures, I I, I think that's all uh, uh, extremely important to point out as well. And and again, when we're talking real quick, when we're talking again uh, back to uh, uh, managing the shampoo inventory and the storage, some of these people I know people that'll put it out in a shed because you don't have a lot. Grooming rooms don't have a lot of storage. That's right. Or they got grooming rooms have tables and tubs and dryers and cages and not i've not seen many many grooming rooms that have ample storage so we get creative we put it and and to your your point it might be in a corner and that might be the corner where all the hair from the from the you know dogs blows and gathers i mean we just don't think about it it's not silly folks when you look at when you add up all your your receipts and you talk to your accountant and you do your taxes for the amount of money you're spending, this is a big investment. So what we're talking about is real, you know, it's, it's so important. Hang on to those receipts. How often do I get somebody calling? There's a problem. They have no way of verifying they purchased it. I mean, you know, I'm trying to come up with a metaphor for a groomer. It'd be like if somebody wanted you to groom their dog, but they didn't know what it was. They didn't know if it had its shots. They didn't know, you know, this or that. Uh, and then the dog shows up and it's totally different than it looks like. And it leaves a lot of questions. Nobody, nobody's going to groom that dog. No manufacturer or distributor or catalog is, is going to uh, honor something that they can't verify. Hold on to those receipts. Another little point that people don't think about is, you know, I, and I got to say I'm guilty of this. I remember working trade shows and somebody comes in, they want to buy a year's supply or 18 months, you know, and it's huge $1,500 shampoo order. Wow. You know, it's so tempting early on to take an order like that. Well, I've learned over the years, that's kind of dumb because again, we've got our anticipated shelf life, but there's all these different variables. We don't know how the product was shipped and where it's stored. Over 18 months, there's so many things that could happen to that product. My advice, and there's good news of this, is try to limit your purchases to maybe three months. And why do I say three months? Well, you want to turn your inventory more frequently. That's going to reduce any spoilage or damage occurrences. But most grooming supply companies offer two to three day delivery. They also offer mix and match, you know, $100, $150. They give you free shipping. Why not take advantage of that? That's not only going to help you maintain fresh inventory, but it's going to free up your cash for other things. You know, over the years, I I think about that that $1,800 order, but then I'm thinking, I would have never done that because I don't want to tie up $1,800. I'll tie up $500, $600. You know, but these are all good business things we need to think about it. And, and when we do that, we may not realize it, but we're extending the, the life and reducing the spoilage and damage occurrences to our inventory of our liquids. Yeah, if we happen to have having to throw some out because it spoils, again, not a question of if, but a question of when. If yep. we have to throw some out, well, we've just used up all of the discount we might have had. But plus also to your point, it's not the freshest product to put on the dog's coat or to have to handle with our own hands. So we might end up with some of the bacteria. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And again, and, and, if you just follow these, these, these tips that Dave is saying, right? So, so you know, only buy only what you need. And we're gonna talk uh, uh, in the, our bonus time together is 
mixing only what you need. That's what we're going to get into in our bonus material um, and how to mix it and, and, and dispensing it and such. But um, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to cover that now in our, but our, in our, in our bonus material after, after our main part of our podcast, Dave's going to talk about the actual dispensing and different mechanisms or different vehicles for dispensing. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, I sort of kind of tipped my hat, uh, uh, tip my hand into saying, let's talk about now water quality, which we talked about, but how does, how does that affect dilution guidelines? And one of the very first things is, is it's important to know what you're working with. And again, we talked about preservatives and I think everybody now knows a lot more about what it is that they're working with, but you know, a reputable shampoo company is not going to want you to use too much shampoo. I know that might go against what a lot of people believe, but a reputable shampoo company wants you to use just enough. That's right. So let's talk about how much do I mix and when do I mix it? Well, the thing I always talk about is your water does vary by region of the country. And water, the tap, that the water that comes out of the tap, depending on uh, what it is, it can, it can sometimes hinder and make it challenging for some shampoos. Uh, I had a call today. Somebody uh, was saying that recently their water company, they, they took my advice. They, they got a report. Well, they found out they went from uh, chlorine uh, in the water to a new hybrid of chlorine. Well, he noticed that the pH of his water was now 9.4 per, uh, pH, a 9.4 pH, which is very alkaline, which tends to lift the cuticles and open up the coat and makes it very dry, makes it very matting. It's very difficult to try to groom a dog when you've got an open coat. Hmm. So these are things we need to keep in mind. My point is you can contact your water utility. You can go online and buy test kits uh, from Amazon or a pool supply store. It's important to know what you're dealing with. That's the first and foremost. But we need to know when we add water, when we mix up, you know, water for dilution, that begins to count down to spoilage. You only got so much time. And I'm going to jump to the gun here and say that you really want to try to use up what you dilute for that day, uh, dilute it for the day or use it up within 24 hours. That's just a good guideline. Uh, two months, yeah, it's going to separate. Yeah, it's going to mold. <laughs> yeah, it's going to spoil. Okay. Uh, you know, so you know. And again, I ain't judging. I'm just, now you know. But, uh, you know, pH, mineral content, uh, even the bacteria levels within the water of your shop, those, those all can lead to things. That also explains why, have you ever heard a show groom or somebody who travels at, at, and competing at a high level, they'll often, oftentimes bring bottled distilled water with them and they take it with them wherever they go and they do that. And that's what they wash their dogs with because they know from site to site to venue to venue, the water quality changes. And they're trying to have an even, even keel, you know, a baseline to work with. So that's why people will use diluted water. I'm not telling you to invest and in, get a tank trailer, trailer of diluted water, but I'm just telling you that's what, why people promote distilled water. Um, now, when you're, uh, the other thing I try to tell people is dilution rates, they're merely guidelines. Uh, I often used to reference uh, from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies when the pirates talk about the pirate's code being more or less a guideline. Well, that's exactly, that's exactly how, uh, how uh, dilution is. And it's not uncommon for most shampoos to dilute beyond the recommendation. And depending on your water, you may find it doesn't quite you know, get up to that recommended dilution rate. 
we encourage you to dilute to preference and experiment results so you can find something that works for you. It's not set in granite. You shouldn't be crippled by it. Again, guidelines. Well, when diluting with water, you know, again, dilute with what you're anticipating for that scheduled work session. That's the best safety mechanism. Uh, and, you know, you may waste a little bit. You, you know, if, if, if you have a little leftover, you could probably carry it over to the next day. Maybe not. But, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of practice, but it's, it's very easy to manage and get in the habit of, this, of uh, diluting what you're going to need. And you'll become a good judge of determining how much that is. And again, after 24 hours, you know, it's good to discard, to, to discard excuse me, uh, what you have. But don't part, add, but don't add fresh uh, uh, mixture to yeah. a little bit left over from the day before. We want to, we yep. want to completely and, clean, we want to completely sanitize those bottles and or whatever else we're using to mix it in before we go and add because right that that yeah. any contaminants can stay in a in a in a in a bottle whether it's a gallon or even systems and and such and i didn't think of the, the following i'm sorry I, I didn't think of the following thing but uh you know you have that diluted mixture you don't want to waste it whatever you do please don't pour that back into that gallon now, see, for me, that's common sense. I should probably add that <laughs> to my list. You know, don't add that back into the gallon. That's that's a problem. You're going to throw that entire gallon off. And mm -hmm. some of us just don't know. Mm -hmm. Now, the other question I get is dilution. And, you know, I, I kind of have a simple formula, and I'm going to go over it real easy, but I promise you I'll give you something uh, for your listeners that, that spells this out. But when you hear the term eight to one, five to one, 10 to one, 32 to one, 50, 50 to one. I think of a formula and I substitute that number with a letter N, N to one. And what that means is N parts water to one part shampoo. So if it was 10 to one, there's gonna be 10 parts water to one part shampoo. And what I try to explain is, if we're in, in a simple example of 10 to one, because the math is simple and I'm assuming that three quarters of the listeners will be able to follow this. And if you can't, that's, that's okay too. Uh, but a gallon has 128 ounces. Some gallons will have more, but most will say 128. Whatever it says on the bottle label of how many ounces, you take that number and in 10 to one, you would divide that by 10. So 128 ounces is 12.8 ounces when you multiply it or when you divide it by 10. You're gonna take that 12.8 ounces and we'll use an empty gallon jug. Let's say you're a busy shop, so you're using a gallon jug. You're gonna put that 12.8 ounces, which is, which is just a tad more than three cups. The cup is four ounces. So you're gonna add that and then you're gonna fill up that gallon the rest of the way with water. There you go, that's 10 to one. We don't have to be super precise because again, the good news is this isn't medicine, this isn't vaccines, this is shampoo, so it's a guideline. Now, some people might use a quart bottle and a quart bottle is 32 ounces. And if you did the math and some people instinctually know that there's four quarts to a gallon. Well, again, in this simple example, and again, I'm providing notes and a formula for you to use, but if it's 128 
ounces to a gallon, and we know that 12.8 ounces is 10%. Well, if I divided that by four, that would give me what I need for a quart. <laughs> it's just simple math. It's kind of a lot, there's a logic. Uh, you can substitute any number in my little n to the one formula. And if you follow the logic, you can pretty closely calculate uh, how much product is required with the water. And just remember again, it's a guideline. It's not there to cripple you. Okay. Uh, so when you, when, you, when you get a chance to review that, I think you'll find that's helpful. So many of us, I find, get paralyzed by dilution because we see the numbers and we don't take the time to break it down and look at it simply, you know, yep. from, from the gallon point of view. All right. So let's, let's, let's summarize this main part of the podcast. And, and I love that word simple, right? Because grooming is an art. Grooming is complicated enough. It's physical enough. It can be tiring. All of those things dealing with people and pets and staff and coworkers and all of that stuff that, that shampoo should not be difficult. Shampoo should be simple. So I hope what we've done during this podcast is, is to be able to say to the Hey Joe listener audience out there that, that again, 98% of people just don't know what they don't know. And that's okay. But now you do consider yourself told or warned, right? So again, what did we cover? We talked about the effects of water. Once we start diluting shampoo, it's not a question of if a shampoo is going to spoil. It's a question of when will it spoil? So we started talking about some of these variables like water. We started talking about, okay, we, we try our best at manufacturing level to provide preservative, but the preservative is going to only last so long, right? It's sort of like that first line of defense that will eventually wear down and let the contaminants in if, uh, if allowed to do so. We talked about proper storage guidelines, right? Staying away from the extremes. We talked about managing your inventory. Some really great tips there, Dave, on on, okay, now what do I go out and do with this knowledge? Well, order only what you're going to need and mix only what you're going to use, right? So order only what you're going to need and mix only what you're going to use in those time periods. A three-month window for what you're going to need. Order only that and rotate your inventory. I love the Sharpie trick, by the way, writing the dates on the on the bottles, not only when not only when you order them, but also when you receive them and when you put them into inventory. S super smart uh, tip with that. Not my idea. I learned that from a groomer. And, uh, well, I, and most of the things we do, we, that, that's exactly right. We're just sharing those really great tips from, from professionals out there who have, who, have, who have had a vested interest in making this stuff work for them. Don't buy in bulk, resist the urge to buy in bulk, unless for whatever reason you use in bulk, then buy up all you want. But if it's, if it's $1,800 order in a three-month period of time, more power to you because you've got a huge business rocking okay. there. Um, and we talked also then about water quality and dilution rates. So Dave, this sort of wraps up this part of the podcast. And I just want to always thank you for your uh, uh, willingness uh, to bring what you know to the Hey Joe listener audience uh, out there and provide, I know you're going to provide a free downloadable PDF for us that they can grab from the paragonpetschool.com website um, that uh, shows the dilution rates and his N factor and reminds you of all of the things we talked about today. So Dave, thank you so very much. And for, uh, for all of you out there, I'm sure Dave will be on here again. So thank you again for camping out and spending some time with us today, Dave. All right. So now for everybody that, that held on and now you want to know, okay, what is that part two of Dave Campanella's shampoo message for me? 
and this bonus material for this particular episode. Uh, and what we promised to you was tips for uh, the dispensing of uh, grooming liquids. In the main part of our podcast, before this bonus material that we're going to talk about right now, Dave did such a masterful job of talking with us about this storing and mixing of shampoo and conditioner grooming liquid products. But now what do we do with that, right? Now we know how much to buy. We know of the little bugs and the creatures and the contaminants and, and how they get there, right? We know how to prevent that from happening. We know to only order as much shampoo and, and, and conditioners we're going to use within a three-month period of time. We know what day of the week to order. We know, we know what temperatures to order. We know how to store it. We know how to mix it up only 24 hours of what we're going to use. So Dave, we covered a lot of ground in the main podcast episode, but now in this bonus material, now we have to get it from wherever we've mixed it to the pet. And that is a whole other area where contaminants can be introduced, correct? That's correct. That's correct. And the way I'd like to break this down is uh, for dispensing is I'm going to start with bathing systems. And that can be a very complicated scenario. And I've done seminars on this and uh, written on the subject and built, built uh, different systems. And I, I'm able to narrow this down into three very easy to understand systems. Um, the first thing I encourage you, if you have a bathing system, please look over the, the warranties and look over the cleaning protocols and any type of manufacturer specific guidelines they provided. Always do that first. Uh, every company is a little different. Uh, if, you, if you haven't familiarized yourself with that information, by all means do that. But the first, the first type of bathing system I want to talk about is what's called a premix application system. That's where you premix the shampoo and you put it in and it's ready to go and it dispenses it right on the animal. I'm gonna give some examples uh, of some brands. These are all fine products and there's many other ones. I'm just naming a few. Uh, there's what's called the Cosmo system. Uh, and then there's the other popular one is the Prima. And what these units are is you mix up your batch and then this is going to take that shampoo and you don't have to pre-wet the dog. Boom, that shampoo goes right into the coat. And it's a great system. Uh, the one thing that you need to bear in mind with these systems and people forget, and it, it ties in what you said earlier, you want to make sure you're not getting too big of a system for what your needs are. If your system can hold up, to, if you're only doing three dogs a day and you, you've got a system where you can pre-mix enough in that that uh, reservoir that can do 30 or 50 dogs, you could run the risk. Let's be honest that that, that product inside that is going to spoil. So you want to take the information I shared about dilution and maybe only dilute what you need in those reservoirs uh, first and foremost, because you don't want the contents going rank uh, if you're not going to use it. And uh, if you're thinking about buying one of these systems are excellent systems, all of these are, but they tend to be a little better suited for a busier shop. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, so again, with a premix applicator, you only want to dilute what you need. Uh, to your point that, earlier, the manufacturers, the providers of those are happy to talk to you about how to maintain their products. Because they do not want you to have any negative experience because then, you know, you're, you're, 
you, you might say that to other people, they don't want any bad reviews. So they want you to have a positive experience. And, and really, quite frankly, not only do they want you to have a positive experience, they really want you to provide a, pro, a, a quality outcome of a safe and efficient, but quality outcome with your pet parents and pets. Absolutely right. And, you know, if you have a question about the unit you bought, do me a favor, do this one for Dave. Don't ask everybody on the internet or social media what you should do. Ask the company you bought the unit from. They're going to give you the best advice. Trust me. Uh, it's in their best interest to give you, to get you on the straight and narrow. The next uh, example I want to talk about, and I'm going to, uh, is the, what they call a metering bathing system. And that's where there's a, a wall mounted unit. And that's those un, units with the little hoses that siphon and suck the shampoo right out of the gallon. Uh, basically, they're what's referred to as a metering bathing system. Uh, the bather box is a very good one, wonderful product. You may have heard of Bathmaster. There's so many, but if you see those little hoses and, and they can siphon anywhere from three to four to six different shampoos, uh, that's what we're talking about. And what's important to keep in mind with these systems, once you've looked over the manufacturer's warranty and guidelines, is that any of these hoses that attach to gallons, you want to make sure that your jugs, the gallon jugs, do not have any loose or compromised fittings. Uh, because if, if, if they're not quite tight or if there's an air gap, just like we preached before, that makes them a little more susceptible to uh, some contamination. Uh, so make sure you have tight fittings on these things. And uh, if, if you find that there's a, a, you know, a flaw, call the manufacturer for a new fitting. There might even be some simple hacks you can do with uh, plastic bags and twisty ties and stuff. But the goal is you wanna make sure that you don't allow any oxidation, any moisture, any debris to get inside that system. Pretty simple. The next third and really final category of the bathing system is what's called the recirculating bathing pumps. These are things like the original hydrosurge pump, or there's a lot of talk on social media about the bathing beauty and other, other pumps. And these are like a sump pump. In fact, there's some folks uh, that uh, do do it, them, do it yourself, kind of they mock up and make their own recirculators. But it's the same type of situation where you have a pump that sets in the tub. You know, after reviewing all of that manufacturer's uh, information on proper care, what you have to be mindful of is you want to clean and rinse and dry filters and nozzles and hoses. You want to maintain these and clean them on a timely basis, um, you know, because they're prone to uh, build up and uh, debris and uh, other things. And you want to be mindful of what you use to clean these things. A little tip on the recirculating bathing pumps. If you've ever <laughs> been to an aquarium store, there's little like long pipe cleaners for cleaning out hoses for aquariums. Those little pipe cleaners work great for cleaning out the uh, uh, the sprayer hoses on all of these systems. <clears throat> so something to keep in mind uh, when you're doing your maintenance. But my final point about these systems is when you clean them, please make sure that there's no cleaning chemi chemical residue <clears throat> that's left behind in any of them because that leftover solution could risk contaminating the shampoo. It could possibly irritate a pet's skin. 
So Dave, to your point, then with all of these systems, no matter what they use, there's a certain amount of hoses, there's a certain amount of guns, there's a certain amount of nozzles or tips or, or caps or fasteners or uh, uh, rubber O-rings in some cases, but all of them have uh, uh, a vessel, right? A vessel where the shampoo's coming from. They all have hoses or tubes, and they all have some form of where the where the, the the liquid mixture comes out of whether it's a gun or a pressurized gun or it's or it's a, a a nozzle find out from all of these manufacturers what is their cleaning and purge instructions so that you can clear those lines so you can clean those lines and not only what are their instructions what's their recommended interval and or frequency in which you should clean those and and again it all is going. It all is going to sort of depend on your environment and just how contaminated your your environment is, or 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 just the the the, the abuse that these sink these systems might take in any given uh, common use. But um, I would say that whatever their recommended interval is, you might even want to check with your shampoo vendor to find out what their recommended usages of of, of diluted shampoo and such as well. Because what will end up happening in some cases is the shampoo, the, the, the shampoo dispensing or, 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 or whether it's a Cosmo system or the Hydra Surge or whatever, they may have a manufacturer's recommended cleaning interval, but they, again, just like we were talking about, there's so many variables that they may, they're only going to recommend what they know. They don't know your business as well as you do. So err on the side of doing it more often than maybe what they might even recommend. And, and, and a thing that I see common in some of these, uh, social media forums i hear people talking about oh we use bleach we use this essential oil we use this this whatever to clean their units we need to rethink and be very careful what we're doing uh you know and if you have one of these systems before you think about cleaning it and what you're going to put through it review their information and speak with them directly because some of what i hear being shared uh in social media some of the solutions can act as solvents and actually do more damage, mm -hmm. you know? So again, uh, social media is great. <laughs> you know, it's great for bonding uh, and, uh, and uh, sh you know, voicing a lot of different opinions, but a lot of times there's no accountability to uh, truth and wisdom and fact. Mm -hmm. So we gotta be real careful. So Dave, uh, where you talked about <laughs> dispensing systems, you know, sometimes more geared toward larger volume facilities. I've been right. in a number of facilities that do a really great job by using mixing bottles. Sometimes it's exactly. smaller, smaller operations, or it might just be a, a particular product <laughs> in your arsenal of products that you might not use as often, right? right? That we resort to a mixing bottle. But let's talk about the mixing bottle vessel, if you would. Well, well, the neat thing about the mixing bottle is it's nothing more than a basic premix applicator like Cosmos or a Prima. The only difference is <clears throat> the power that you're using to dispense is you're squeezing a bottle or you're pouring the mixture directly on the animal, but you're still pre-mixing and that's what you're doing with a mixing bottle. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you wanna designate, you wanna make sure you're designating your dilution bottles specifically for, for certain products. You do not wanna co-mingle mm -hmm. uh, bottles from one shampoo to another, because believe it or not, <clears throat> some of the uh, some of the ingredients in these shampoos may taint the bottle a little bit, and it may carry over and cross over and affect 
another shampoo that you may use. So always designate those bottles for a specific brand and type of shampoo you're using to minimize problems. It's just peace of mind. Uh, you don't want to reuse any empty bottles from uh, other products, like I mentioned. You want to avoid using squeeze tops. I know they're kind of neat. You know, I'm not saying don't use them, but avoid them if you can, because the little squeeze tops where you squeeze and they shoot out, they also, when, when you let go of the bottle, the bottle sucks back up and, it, and that little squeegee nozzle can suck all that dirty water back inside the bottle. And we may not be aware of that. Uh, if you're washing a dog that, that has some nasty issues on it, there's a chance, you know, that it could get sucked up in the bottle and you could transmit that to another animal. Uh, it may sound unlikely to you, but, you know, how unlikely are those occasional calls of the itchy dogs we get and whatnot? It happens. We need to acknowledge this. We need to be mindful. So just again, if we're not using these bottles for anything else, we're not reusing empty bottles. Because again, that if they're plastic, right? I mean, I would not recommend using glass around your tub area. Yeah, or any, any, yeah. So most of the time we're using something that's plastic. That plastic is porous to some degree. So if there are any contaminants in there, even though the bottle is empty, if it's not properly cleaned, that the, the, those bugs, if you would, the bacteria, it could be in an empty bottle, but it's stuck in the plastic because it's porous. So how do you, how do you clean these, Dave? That's an excellent question. And that's a question I get. And think about it. The use of hot water, and I'm talking hot, hot water, and even a dish detergent for cleansing is ideal. Now, I realize not everybody may have a di hot dishwasher. You know, some I've seen some shops, some kennels have dishwashers, but that's actually the best because if it's good enough for our food and sanitation for what we eat at home, that hot water, that detergent is going to be sufficient for cleaning. It's not, you know, those are formulated to clean these vessels just like you would a, a, a cereal bowl or a pitcher that you use for making iced tea, okay? Uh, so, and I always tell people, if you have the luxury of a sanitation cycle on your dishwasher, that is extremely effective. It's peace of mind. Now, you know, hot water, you want to rinse them. When you're done, what I tell people is when you're going to clean those, it makes sense to clean them at the end of the day when all the hair is settled, all the cleaning, the floors have been mopped. You wash out those bottles and you store them uh, nozzle opening down over a towel so they can drip dry. So then when they come in in the morning, they're relatively clean, you know, and, and that's really, I think, more than reasonable. Uh, what you don't want to do is have that little bit of water sitting in there uh, because that'll attract different contaminants and pollutants mm -hmm. and it can foster bacteria and you start the process over again. So. When these dry, it's important to heat dry them or turn them upside down and let them totally air dry. I also tell folks, you know, try not to reuse bottles that had at one time contained bleach or disinfectant or a, pest, or a pesticide or essential oil or ammonia or peroxide. I realize you're, you know, you may think you're doing yourself, uh, you're being, uh, uh, you know, thrifty and reusing those bottles, but those bottles are tainted. The only thing you can put in those bottles is what was in them before. You don't want to put shampoo in it because, uh, you know, some of that lingering, those, those uh, ingredients from those bottles prior use are lingering and will cross-contaminate uh, your liquids. So you want to dispose of those bottles. Just some, it's important to try to designate. You'll, you'll uh, have greater peace of mind in, in managing it. 
And that leads me into talking about, uh, I believe my, my, my final point, which everybody's familiar with, which are the tips for managing hand pump dispensers, you know, the little mm-hmm. nozzles that you push down on, you know, like a soap dispenser, you know, the gallon pumps mm-hmm. and uh, all the different configurations that people will, uh, will, will hack and mock up and do on their own. You know, make sure these pumps you're using, this is the number one thing. Make sure they're fully shut, twisted down and locked securely when you're not using them. Because I've seen pictures of these things. Oh yeah, I have a pump on it. And you see that long neck extended out. It's in the open position. And there's not a check valve on it. In plumbing, a check valve is a valve where the fluid can only go one way and it doesn't suck back in to the fuel system of a car, for example. Well, these pumps, when they're open, they're open. There's air that's going to get in there. If there's any residue, shampoo, or conditioner through oxidation, that is just being exposed to air, they can congeal, they can harden, they can start to con- you know contaminate and, and draw debris, uh, and it can work its way back in. If you, let's be honest, a lot of these shops, the humidity is you know if, if you haven't invested. If you have not invested in a dehumidifier for your shop, it's a great investment. Uh, but you got all that condensation in the air, and and that builds up in the bottle. Well, that condensation, as that bottle depletes, there's more vacuum, more open capacity in that bottle to allow for condensation and that moisture, that little bit of water. You may think nothing of it. That's going to turn and spoil that product uh, rapidly well before any intended shelf life by the manufacturer. So if it's not twisted down and locked, it's breathing. It's no different than having the lid off of the bottle. I I mean that genuinely. Uh, A a little hack I've seen some people use where they didn't want to go through the hassle. They would would, uh, get a plastic bag and at the end of the day, drop the, (laughs) the gallon in a plastic bag and put a twisty on it for those products they don't use as often. You, we all know those products. There might be some uh, medicated shampoo or a flea shampoo you don't use much. If there's a gallon pump on it and it's extended in the open position, it's going to go bad prematurely when you use it. And everybody's worried about, oh, but if I close it when I push down on that pump, I'm going to lose that ounce. Well, you know, you could always, if you if you're clean your hands and you have a clean working environment and there's no blow dryers and there, there isn't an Eskimo dog behind you getting blow dried with air in the air, you could take that pump off carefully and dispense it back into the gallon if you're mindful and lock it down. Again, it just all has to do with your level of consciousness and, and, and how much care you're taking and maintaining a clean environment. Uh, with these things. Well, and something, Dave, and I'm guilty of this, you know, having, you know, been around groomers my entire career and in grooming salons, high volume grooming salons, you know, some of which, you know, grooming a hundred plus dogs a day, which was, you know, any given Wednesday, right? Um, when, and this is probably a question for some of the Hey Joe listener audience out there, when was the last time you cleaned your pumps? Mm-hmm. Right? And so, I mean, you could, you could take contaminants from one, and again, you could take it from one gallon that's not spoiled that you went through and it was just brilliant everything went fine but that residue if you take that and you put it in the next one you are some of that shampoo that would have spoiled on its own is now introduced to a new gallon 
and then maybe introduced to another gallon. And over time, without cleaning the pumps, would you say that we really should? And oh, gosh, am I so guilty of not doing this? Well, well, Are you saying we should clean our pumps maybe before we, we reassign them to yeah, a new bottle? That's an excellent point. And here's the best advice I can give you. Designate that pump <laughs> to a specific product. If you can put the initials or again, get that Sharpie out. It doesn't have to look perfect. Put it, put a, you know, maybe a, you know, piece of duct tape somewhere on the outside, you know, like a flag, you know, with the name, but designate that pump to that specific product. That's the first step. Uh, when you do go to clean them, uh, the best thing to do is many of them disassemble. So take them apart. If you can put them in a little bag and put them in a hot dishwasher, that's best. Uh, if you can take them home, that's great. If you don't have that, hot water soaking in a in something like a Dawn dish detergent. And then, but here's the catch. Once they're clean, they need to be dry. If there's any water or a little bit of that cleaning solution, whatever you use that's in there, and you stick it in a gallon and three drops or four drops get into that gallon, that could, if you're one of those groomers who doesn't move through their product that fast, uh, you could experience and see that product turn. I mean, it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but everything I'm telling you is the reality. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it, it, you know, bacteria and the way water works and everything, it doesn't, it does, it doesn't discriminate, believe me, from brand to brand. It affects every, everything out there. Uh, so you need to be mindful. So make sure those pumps are dry. So, and, and one of the things I might recommend because I can see it happening right now. So we're going to cover our, you know, what's mm -hmm. before you go putting any of these things in your dishwasher, <laughs> make sure you've rinsed them thoroughly first. Oh yeah. Don't, don't, put, don't put something with a lot of shampoo, maybe stuck in a dip tube or in the pump mechanism or in the bottom of a bottle in your dishwasher, you might have more foam coming out of the front of your dishwasher than what you bargained for. So just to make sure we're clear, take some due diligence to yep. rinse the products. I'm, before. I'm dating myself. I call that the Brady Bunch scenario where you walk away from the laundry room and you come back and the room's filled with suds. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you might want to, you might want to make sure things are rinsed. So so yes. Dave, what you've talked about is you've run us through the gamut of these different vessels. Then it's uh, thank you again for all of this great bonus material for the listeners. Um, so, you know, the, the main episode of the podcast that you previously listened to was talking about how does shampoo become compromised uh, and how do you stay away from that? How do you stay out ahead of that and stay uh, with really great shampoo that does really wonderful things as it's designed to do for you, keeps you out of trouble for spoilage. But then now also <clears throat> when you're mixing it and you're putting it in different vessels, whether it's a shampoo dispensing system, like a pressurized tank of some sort to something as low tech as a pump or even a mixing bottle, uh, helping us to understand that if we're just a little bit more mindful about how we're using our products and, and, you know, and, and yeah, if, if it's never happened to you out there, it probably will at some point. And you're probably going to have that moment where you're like, I knew it was going to happen. And now I know it happened to me and I can recognize it and I can identify what I might've should have done uh, better than what I did. So if you want to take the gamble and you want to take the risk and, and it, because you've never had an issue, you might just one day have an issue. Even in your case, you might be able to recover faster. You'll at least not be calling the shampoo manufacturer saying you had a bad batch or something spoiled 
or, or something of the like, because maybe exercising this extra amount of care gives you an insurance policy because other than, especially if you're an owner operator or manager of a grooming business out there, other than the labor you, you pay out to your grooming professionals, shampoo costs are the number two cost in every grooming business. So let's try to keep your profit from literally going down the drain. Dave, thank you again so much for you, your expert uh, instruction. And I'm sure our listener audience is going to be better because of it. So please go to paragonpetschool.com and go to the resources page to the Hey Joe podcast, and you'll be able to download uh, Dave's very helpful information, not only about this, but his other six, ep- or other five episodes uh, on the Hey Joe podcast. So Dave, do you have any last words for us before we depart? Yeah, on, on the information that I'm going to leave you behind, uh, it, it covers everything we talked about today, but I have one favor to ask of your listeners. If you, if you download that PDF and you get it, share it with everybody you know in this industry, because let me tell you, nobody else is going to tell them this. And this is so important. It's going to save a lot of frustration and uh, it's going to, hopefully it'll prevent uh, any unnecessary vet bills that are going to be on you. <laughs> uh, so. Take this information by all means, share it with everybody, you know, in a grooming, you know, capacity. Not only do I think that is a fair request, I think it's sage advice. So again, Dave, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We will have you on another episode. We're going to, we're going to continue to break records with Dave as a guest on the Hey Joe podcast. All right. Take care, everyone. Dave, thank you again. You got it. Thank you, everybody.